0: Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to an afternoon stream here at the Rebunk News Podcast. Uh, you, as you guys know, I usually go in the evenings, but this is great, I'm going to be able to enjoy. My Thursday evening is fantastic. So, uh, you guys, I'm super excited today. Uh, I hope you guys are all excited as well. have got the great Dr. Lee Merritt sitting in the green room patiently waiting. So I could just do my little calls to action here. As y'all know, I'm gonna keep it real brief, you guys, because uh, you know, it's really concise what, what we're talking about here. And so, um, as always, I just wanted to shout out the website rebunk.news. Make sure you sign up for the email list. You'll see the affiliate links, you'll see the value for value donation option the social media. All the video platforms that we're on. So, right now we're streaming on Rockfin and Rumble, and later this will get uploaded to Odyssey Bit Shoot and Band.video. So, we get to talk about all the fun stuff here because we don't mess with YouTube. We don't play with these guys that don't want us around. So, uh, And so we're going down all the rabbit holes tonight. And I'm very, very excited about that. So, um, another thing you'll see on the website right there, the rebunk news shirt shop. So big shout out to big frog t-shirts in Beaverton, Oregon. They're listeners of the show. They're probably listening right now. What's up, Ryan and Amanda. Uh, just fantastic people. I've got my, uh, uh, Let's see. Got any new conspiracy theories? All my old ones came true. Shirt, which you can get your yours on the shop there. Uh so yeah, go check it out. It's rebunk.news forward slash shirts, or there's a link on the main webpage. But all right, you guys. So here's the big one right here. So you've heard me alluding to it, you've heard me talking about it, but it's actually the time has come. Tickets go on sale tomorrow, tomorrow. And if you're listening to this later, so as of Friday, uh, what is that, the seventeenth? Tickets will be on sale for this event that we're doing in Nashville. It's just South of Nashville and Franklin technically, but we're just putting Nashville. So the rebels for a cause creative artists uniting for the sovereignty of everyone. An epic weekend of Liberty-centered music, comedy, lectures, live podcasts, aerial acrobatics, community building, and more. So it's going to be a two-day event. Um, we pretty much got the venue locked in, but it's going to be epic. So it's not going to be the camp out thing that we were describing. It's going to be more like an indoors type of thing. But look at who we got. We got Alex Zack, We got Jay Dyer. Jay's wife, Jamie Hanshaw. We got Ryan Christian. Mel Kay. Dr. Ben Marble. Steven pasta from slow news day. we got Mike winner from the alpha Vedic podcast. If you guys haven't listened to alpha Vedic podcast, it's just amazing. Um, so, so stoked that he's coming out here and they've been doing, uh, you know, festivals and this type of thing for a while. Uh, Susie Olson Corgan from Seattle. Um, we got John Kleisek, Mark Gober, uh, Kathy O'Brien, Justin camp. And then of course, Courtney and myself, and then Frank Cavanaugh, former bass player of filter and faithless town and Joseph Arthur with his hit song. Stop the shot. So you guys, it's going to be Epic tickets go on sale tomorrow. Um, it's rebelsforcause.com. So, Make sure you get those scooped up and we'll be talking about more about that as we move forward. So, any guys, anyway, so without further ado, please, please, please give a warm welcome to my guest today, which is Dr. Lee Merritt. Doc- oh, hold on, let me do this. Oh, there she is. Dr. Lee, how are you? Hey, good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's truly an honor. And thanks to Courtney for making the connection. Um, I know you guys she she says you guys are besties, so that's always good. Yeah, cool. yeah. I, I love that. I love that. I love Courtney <laughs> that Courtney does amazing work, and so I can't shout her out enough. So, um, you know, it, it People that are listening and people that are tuning in probably don't need much of an introduction to them, but I would hope that maybe just to kind of give some context to what we'll be talking about today. Could you maybe just give a little bit about your background? And then I have some questions pertaining to that as well.
1: Well, sure. You know, I always jokingly say that I started medicine at age four because I carried my dad's back black bag along the back roads of Iowa. So I come from a medical family, but i trained i you know i'm a classically trained physician i'm i'm most of my time now spending my time uh extracting myself from the the medical death cult but uh, i trained in Rochester new york and from there i went off and did um, training in the navy i spent 10 years as a navy physician and surgeon and then when i got out one of the things that kind of got me thinking along the bioweapons line is that i was i served on a congressional committee my husband at the time was a a Marine Harrier pilot. He was a colonel in the Marine Corps was at the Pentagon. And so they were looking for somebody to serve on this committee. They had to have a doctor by law. And uh, so sure, I put in my little CV and I became the doctor for the Navy Research Advisory Committee for like four more years. Anyway, we looked at technology, future technology issues for the Navy. And quite frankly, there wasn't as much for me to do as there was, you know, this was a, you're sitting next to rocket scientists and the CEO of Loral corporation, things like that, you know? So, but on my own, that was when I started really looking at the bioweapons uh, stuff. And I actually, one of my friends from Navy training days, I ran into as we were doing, we would go around and do research and I ran into him and he was the guy, he was like the lead, uh, evaluator of Gulf War syndrome. Well, we have subsequently learned a lot about the Gulf War syndrome and it isn't good. And it's related to vaccines that were produced exactly using this kind of rush, rush, uh, no time to do real good studies, uh, emergency use authorization. And there was a point to not doing it then. And there was a point not to do it now, but we weren't paying attention. But the other thing it it, it woke me up to was the breadth and depth of the uh, long-standing bioweapons research search that had been done by us, even though we signed the non, you know, participation agreement, you know, under Nixon. So, yeah, there's a lot to be said about this, and I, I've, I'm kind of laughing when I hear the people talk about, oh yeah, it turned out it was a lab leak. No, no, you see what mm-hmm. they're doing is that every time you, early on, and I'm, I'm going to say I went on record on February, roughly February fourth. I said, you know, and, and I didn't have as much outreach then. So nobody heard me. It was like an echo. Chamber. And this was like Maybe 2020, I, 2020, yeah, 2020. Said, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. February 4th, 2020. I said, this is a bioweapon. This can't be natural. It's, it's a, it's man-made. And by definition, if something is man-made and more devastating than what nature would give you, it's a bioweapon. So, and I've been proven right about that. That's just, it's just yeah. not natural. But then they they every time you get kind of close to the truth, they deflect it. This is what counterintel is all about. They know that something's gonna get out, but they try and keep it hidden as long as possible and they slowly release it in such a way that they keep distracting you down the wrong aisle. And that's that's where we are right now.
0: Okay, perfect. Yeah, thank you so much. So we'll get into the the lab leak narrative here in a little bit. Um, so, you know, needless to say, everybody like, like Dr. Lee, she's no slouch to understate it very much, you know, and it's like, like she has credentials and background in this stuff. And so her voice and opinion is very valid on the topic, I would say, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, it's just so devastating to see how this has unfolded where the people who do have like the highest credentials and know what they're talking about have been so silenced and and pushed aside and then defamed. And it's just like, you know, it's, it's a true, it's a true, true, true crime that like what it boils down to is like the lack of informed consent on, on all aspects of this. And, and anybody that was providing that informed consent has been shut down. And it's an insane universe that we live in where it's like, you have had to build up your own platforms and then go outside of the system in order to get your voice out there. Like for me, it's like, I always say, it's like, you know, well, if they aren't going to inform, give the informed consent, it's up to us to do it. I mean, so it's, it's like, like literally my job to help, push this message forward you know and things and it's just so weird to watch this whole narrative evolve and change uh and and just getting absorbed into other narratives but but at the core of it i think a lot of it is still you know the 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 lies are still being purported and then the people are being harmed by the shots you know that's that's like my that's like my hill that i will die on you know what i mean and so uh I'm curious though before we get too far into that like what was so it sounds like you had a uh, quite an awakening prior to covid and you kind of but I was curious what was the very first indication that you had that something was wrong like when when the whole covid situation started to unfold. It sounds like you were pretty uh early to the game there but what was the kind of your first indication?
1: Well you know so there was a, there was, there was a time I, you know, I believed that the experts were trying to do the right thing and they were telling us what was going on and I was watching it. I had, because I, because of the background I just outlined, I had, I had contacts and I used to talk to this guy that had been at Fort Dietrich, our bio, one of our bioweapons labs. And I asked, I'd, I would always call him, you know, like when SARS came around or MERS, I would say, Hey, should I watch this? And it was always no before, but this time when I called him, he said, yeah, you should watch this one. So, I um I started watching this fairly early like mid mid December of mm-hmm. 2020 and by about the first part of January I started graphing the deaths we were seeing in various different countries and that expanded over time because at this point I started saying there's something a little odd here and the the first thing that I thought was pretty odd is that we're seeing these young guys in China, again, assuming, as we say in medicine, you always have to say, assuming the history to be correct. Now, I'm assuming that at the time, and I still believe that was not fraudulent reporting, that was not crisis actors, because we were seeing young, healthy-looking guys falling on their face, not putting their hands out on concrete, okay? They were just dropping over dead on the concrete with their face down. And you can't get a crisis actor to do that. That's pretty dramatic, so I said what is going on here and I started looking when they first you you've got to remember this is the 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 whole talk about the vaccine came out almost just at the same time they were decided to name the virus yep. I mean and that the name of the virus we can now trace back to 2015 so we know it was all a show of of characters now but at the time it was interesting that they were already talking about the vaccine very early on. So I started looking up coronavirus vaccine, basic science research, you know, looking not at just medical stuff because I knew that that couldn't, they wouldn't be up to, to to current issues, but we have a past track history of basic science. And I started finding out none of it was good. (laughs) Coronavirus (laughs) vaccines failed. And when they failed, they failed miserably and very dramatically resulting in death. So, um, I said, wait a minute, there's something not right here. Then what really woke me up on on, a first, on the 31st, of, I believe it was actually the 31st of January, but right around the 31st of first, because I think I read it on the first and it was removed from publication on the second. There was a group of geneticists from uh, from India And Delhi Indian and Prashat Pradhan was the guy's name that led them. And anyway, he's like a, he was not a small weight. He was a, like a former IBM chief geneticist or something. And he basically put up, they put up, remember right away in the end of 2020, 2019, the Chinese had given us a genetic sequence of this thing. They put it up in the gene bank. This is what was being touted as, as being able to be used for a vaccine. But, and subsequently many other people around, you know, different places that where the disease was attacking from Korea to China, you know, at that point it was just in, uh, in Italy, they, they started uploading these genetic sequences as well. So we had multiple genetic sequences, but these guys started looking at it with experienced eyes and they realized that normally, you know, what if we believe in viruses, which that's a whole other to- topic that I don't believe in them anymore, that is, yeah. that's the enabling lie that made this happen. Mm-hmm. But let's say this is what they classically taught us was that genetic sequences and viruses constantly were mutating, constantly were changing. But these guys noted that there was a part of this virus in this, what they called the S1 subunit, a very small, in a 30,000 base virus, this was a, a 1,200 unit area and it never varied. Didn't vary, and then they noticed that there were certain inserts that seemed unnaturally in the sequence, and they looked at those inserts and they claim they ran them through the BLAST program, and that so it's a program that tells you where things come from. If you have a short sequence of genetic material, is it from a banana or is it from what you know? And they ran it through and they said, ah, that's pieces of the HIV, the human human immunodeficiency virus that causes AIDS, and it was in every specimen uploaded to the Gene Bank, whereas everything else was all over the board. Well, you know, come on now. Any any kind of <laughs> rational thinker looking at that would say, okay, the fix is in here. This is man-made. There's something man-made about this. Now, there's another possibility, which I hadn't thought of at the time, but which Pernemawag talked to me about later. And there's, I know there are people saying, oh, she's a fraud, blah, blah, blah. No, I've spent a lot of time talking to Pernama She may not have a PhD, but that doesn't mean she wasn't a lab scientist for her whole life. Mm-hmm. And she said, I didn't even think it was a real... Thing I thought it was just a computer-generated model, and I think she's probably right. But in any case, it had these sequences in it. Whatever it is, um, it is possible. And I will—I don't think this is what happened. By the way, I don't think this was ever an airborne anything. Mm. But it, but I do think it's possible that you can engineer a genetic sequence to make people sick. That's a far cry from a virus. So Let's just not call it a virus. But yeah, that's when I first—I first saw the scam. And the next thing was not very long after that, I noticed that nobody was talking about vitamin D levels. Yeah. You know, now uh, I had been I had kind of gotten a little bit off the plantation of organized of the medical death cult in in about mm, nine, 2000, I'm going to guess. When just getting older, didn't feel that great, I decided to go to the, I I started going to the Anti-Aging Society meetings and realizing, oh my gosh, we know a lot of stuff out there they're not teaching us. Also, I'm a vitamin D person because I'm an orthopedic surgeon. So I had for decades had been telling people based on what I learned in 1989, when I was studying for my boards that we need 10,000 units a day to get our bones, to keep our bones healthy. And it also, there was lots of studies at that point in the Japanese literature, especially that showed that this really made a difference to getting sick from so-called viral disease. So why weren't they telling us that? You know, that was the big one. And then of course the mask fraud. You, oh, you know, yeah. That was just so, you know, as if the the implication, what they would have you believe is that we just woke up in 2020. And we didn't know about masks. We didn't know about OSHA. We didn't know about the Environmental Services. We didn't know about the basic science research into a particulate matter and masks. And and most obvious and blatant were the people that showed pictures of like doing drywall, where the particulate <laughs> yeah. size is much larger than anything you know we're talking about, and yet it was all over their face when they showed yeah. pictures. It yeah. wasn't. It didn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out.
0: No, not at all. And they're still walking <laughs> around in the masks. It's like you guys
1: come on especially young people have you noticed this especially young people?
0: yeah yep 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 i I
1: don't think they have enough life experience to not be suspicious of government
0: yeah i guess whenever i meet a youngster that's like you know anti you know the whole thing i'm like yes yeah yeah, (laughs) i love it i love it i love it so okay well well let's start unpacking this because um you know it's shocking that, that that we like there's still very little we know about these shots, but we can kind of like make a yeah. Uh, you, we can kind of like almost back engineer in a lot of ways, like looking at some of the health effects, like like looking at like the blood clots or just like the the cancer issue, which is something I want to focus on. Also, I've heard you talk about that you know extensively, but it's like you know there's there's kind of like anecdotal evidence about certain things, and and the evidence that we're seeing is pretty scary, you know. And then and then it's like we could speculate as to why or how, you know, what, what they're up to, but it's like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if we could just flesh out at least what What's we're being it. bombarded with, you know, that that's going to help out quite a bit. But, uh, so I've got, I got a list of, of several different things I've heard you talk about, but, but what, what, what would you say is like kind of a main element that you, you think people should, should know about? Well, I, I think the first thing we need to say is how do
1: you source truth in all this? Yes. Because the I guess the big thing I've learned here is you cannot trust organized science. I mean, uh, that's what we, I was suspicious before I knew that the publications were wrong, but let me just tell you, it's so much worse than I thought. So the first thing you have to say is where are we getting our information and how do we determine what we are going to accept or not? So I can tell you Pfizer hasn't told us anything about what's in these vaccines and what they've told us we can't prove. So here's, here's what I would say. There's a lot of things we've been told over, over decades and probably more about the way the world works, about the way our bodies work and, and all the biology here. And we thought they were proven. They weren't proven. When you really, when you take the time, we were just busy surgeons and physicians. We were running around like crazy and working 100 hours a week. We didn't study after we got out of residency for the most part. We we just did what we had to, to keep up with the current stuff we were doing, but we didn't study basic science. That was, we assumed somebody was doing and doing it competently. And that was a false assumption. So I would say my first rule of thumb here is if if it, if it has not clearly been shown to be proven, if it is not really, you know, you have to look at the proofs. And when you start doing that and and you realize a lot of stuff we thought was proven is not proven, including the nature of influenza, the nature of transmission of disease and the nature of the world. I mean, let's just be honest. There's a lot to this. And, and once you kind of come to the conclusion that we're at war and this is just one part of a multidimensional war, it really helps put people put you in, in a frame of mind to look at this stuff. The other thing I would say is that. Um, you can't wait, you know, there's the idea of lots uh, Like, like, I have a son that says, well, if it's not a 30 year double blind study, it doesn't mean anything. I said, you know what? That doesn't work in a war scenario. You know, uh, sure. you're, you're in a situation where you don't have time to deal with that. And that's not saying that isn't a great study for certain things, but we didn't use that study for, uh, uh you know, parachutes. I mean, there are just some things you don't need to do that for. And in this situation, wh- what are we actually learning? So an example, they say the, the the Pfizer company says we the only thing they have to tell you is what's in the EUA, the Emergency Use Authorization. By doing it under Emergency Use Authorization, they skipped all the requirements of proof of reporting of safety. Okay, let's just basic say that. So they told us that there is a bunch of stuff, you know, in chemical terms that don't really give you a picture. But we know that there are lipids and that there are this coating this that was made by Novavax initially. Mm-hmm. But what they claim the bioactive part is, is an RNA sequence that makes the spike protein of SARS-CoV-2. That's what they claim, okay? What's the proof of that? Okay, I will tell you that there are 18 labs around the world that have looked for that. And they say there's no genetic material in this stuff. Now, that's a pretty shocking. Now, most of them won't come out publicly and say that. A couple of them have come out like La Quinta, and the Germans and stuff. They've come out publicly and said that. Pernamowog has talked about what they did in their lab, but they didn't publish it. OK, the, only one person has really published anything about this. So the other ones, it's all these scientists talking about to each other. But that word is out that they haven't found it. And uh, what have we but what we have found, what everybody's found, they found hydrogel. Mm -hmm. They found graphene oxide and a bunch of metal fragments. And then what I also believe we found, and you can look at um, Maria Z had Dr. Duncan on her show down in Australia. And you can see, uh, I've got the video somewhere that you can see the actual production of something that looks like the old Intel CPU uh, chips. You know, it's, it's square and it, and it, it kind of, it materializes over time-lapse photography from a vial of Pfizer vaccine. It materializes over time. Now, nature does not make square things. So whatever that is, it's not natural and it shouldn't be there. And it looks just like a, a, a something in a network. Mm-hmm. So that's what we have shown. That's what multiple people have shown to be in there. And I think we have to kind of start there. We also, as you said, know the effect. Now, mm-hmm the effect of the vaccine is different than the effect of the disease, even yeah. though it may be, even though it may be partially caused by the same thing. So in speaking about the vaccine, what do we know? We know that it, it gives you a early kind of clotting appearance. There's two two levels of clotting. There's these early clots that happen and then there are these late clots that don't look like blood. They look like this white rubbery stuff. Mm-hmm. And that is, little less common, but early on you have a, the, the clots and bleeding problems that look like real naturally, not natural stuff. And then you're having a uh, sudden cardiac death and you're having myocarditis, myocarditis. I mean, those are some of the things we know right away. And when you look at people's blood, you can see the effect of this stuff going through. You can see that they are, they're, they're, their blood has what they call rouleau formation where the blood always all stacks up. Like think about packing dishes on top of each other, plates on top. That's instead of them being free floating and having beautiful free flow in your vessels, they're all stacked up together. And that's not necessarily a clot, but it certainly could be a precursor. So what's happening there to me, I think that we can, the, Oh, the other point of evidence, let me just say this before I, Mm -hmm. I make the point about what we should do probably I think their point of evidence is what they told us ahead of time they were going to do in symbology and in, you know, this is, I learned from Jay Dyer, predictive yeah, programming. Nah, now, now we're, right. now we're yeah.
0: going. Yeah. yeah. And shout, shout out, dude. So you guys just did an episode of the Courtney, Courtney yeah, yeah. podcast. It was Jay, Dr. Lee Mayer, dude. Yeah. And I love those out.
1: guys. And yeah. I'm going to tell you, um, uh, Jay Dyer really got me thinking about predictive programming, but I yeah. think it's more than that because I think these people that are doing this to us, are practicing this old, crazy religion, this Babylonian religion. And they have a belief that if they, if they relieve, if they show you what they're going to do and you still do it, they have relieved themselves of karmic debt. You know, they're not going to be in trouble for doing it. So what you go back in time, like if you remember, there was a video of the 20, it was 20, let's see, No, it was 1992, the Barcelona Olympics. And then there was another one in 2012 of the Olympics, wherever that one was. But the 1992 Barcelona Olympics showed several things. They showed these people dressed up like this so-called SARS-CoV-2 virus that they want to say with blue, that they showed you that creepy blue ball with Mm -hmm. all the spikes that make it really scary, which is only CGI. It doesn't exist in reality like yeah. that. It's not electromagnetic. It's not electromicroscopic video. It's just CGI. But they went back and they have a similar thing. They have these people dressed in those costumes in 1992, which tells you how long they've been planning this. Yeah. But the other things they show you in that video, besides slave ships and slaves, I mean, like, that's really have something to do with the Olympics. They show you these this black thing that's that shoots out. this like a ribbon, black ribbon that shoots out of the out of these this crowd of blue balls. That is that is exactly what the German um, parasite guys that have been studying parasites in cancer. That that is like right out of a, a, a microscopic video that they they mm-hmm. have. I have a segment of it on my website. They, that is exactly what it looks like. It's a parasite coming out of your red blood cell. The other thing they show you in that video, and many people have probably watched it, so they know what I'm talking about. There's this brown, weird pillow-like thing. It's like a, it's like a crescent shape, and it's huge. It takes like ten people or something to carry it in over their heads. What the heck is that? I thought. Now I know they're telling us things. What are they telling us now? And I looked at that, and I found it in a book on parasitology. It's a special stain, and it's a, it's a parasite. It's called Trypanosoma cruzi. I think, and I've been saying this for a while. I think it's potential that that is either in the vaccine, probably in the vaccine. So trypanosoma cruzi is a parasite that interestingly it's come we have worried about it for a long time that's the only reason i know about it is because it's one of those things we've been worried about coming across the southern border and i used to work right on the the mexican border and and it's a parasite that when you first get infected within two weeks it can give you sudden cardiac death mm-hmm. you know what are we seeing yeah. Yeah. and then later on it sets in and can give you myocarditis cardiomyopathy all the heart things that we're also seeing so I think there's a real reason to look for that and we don't generally screen our blood supply for that. They knew that too. They knew that going in people, people that are paying attention, they knew that. So I think we're dealing with parasites, this Mm -hmm. reduced graphene oxide and the, and the other stuff I mentioned. And I think the ultimate, what it's doing, the reason it's causing clotting is because there are graphene oxide is an electron stealer. It steals negative charges and the, and, and, The way that you keep your blood from clotting is there are negative charges all through the blood vessels, through the lining of the vessels, all around the red blood cells and other cells so that they all repel each other. And so they just have this beautiful laminar flow. You put graphene oxide through that. And they knew this, by the way, in the basic research. That's what I'm saying. You can go way back in time. That's all over the place. They knew there was a problem. Also with the cationic lipids. Those are the lipids that they made for the coating of this thing that probably is the real real thing that they're using, but that's, it's the outside coating. They say the genetic material is in the inside, like the core of an apple and the outside is this lipids to get it into the parts they want it to go to. That is also damaging because they couldn't make it work. They, you know, they could not, there was no literature that said they got this toxicity out of that before you see this roll out. You just yeah, see yeah. talk. It's it's really good for your immunogenicity, but gosh, we got this toxicity. We can't get rid of, can't get rid of, can't get rid of. Boom. Now we're making millions of doses. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. You know, you know, it's funny. So uh, yeah, yeah. It's just so crazy. So it's, it's really funny. I was actually at the gym last night. I was listening to uh, an old interview of yours and uh, you were talking about the hydrogel. And uh, just a few minutes later, I was like on the stair climber and I look up. And there's a shampoo commercial. And in the shampoo commercial, it flashes across the screen, hydrogel. And I'm like, what? This is like a crazy, (laughs) very crazy synchronicity. But at the same time, uh, I think that's not something that should be glossed over because, you know, people have maybe a kind of an innocuous view of what this hydrogel, quote unquote, is. And so can you maybe tell us a little bit more about what we're looking at in terms of this type of hydrogel?
1: Right, and so this is interesting stuff, and I, I will give credit to Karen Kingston. I this is the kind of stuff I just can't bring myself to do is look at old patents. Okay, <laughs> she does that. That's what she used to do for Pfizer, and she's good at that. So I came at it, I came at this whole thing from the clinical aspect of what we're seeing with parasites after you take the vaccine. She came at it for from looking at these old patents and showing that there's something that that acts like a parasite but it's artificial and it's this genetically engineered smart hydrogel okay so hydrogel all that is is a polymer basically like a plastic a very very uh, a polymer that absorbs water so soft contact lenses are poly, are hydrogel right mm-hmm. but smart hydrogel is somehow more than that and it's it's able to change its shape by wavelength now mm-hmm. so and this is this is what this is where it gets to why I think what she's describing. And this is what I said to her at lunch one day. I said, you know, I think you've just see I've been trying to flesh out this whole. What's the what's the 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 one theory that puts it all together that fits the disease and the vaccine toxicity? And I think this is it. So it clearly was not an airborne disease that was highly um, contagious, because if it were, why were there people living with people that got it and they didn't get it in China? And they traced, they traced 10,000 or a million uh, people that, or maybe it was 10 million. They traced a lot of Chinese that were in the household of a sick person and not one of them transmitted it to somebody else. So, and the other cities weren't shut down in China. So what's going on here? Let's suppose, and this is the point about this hydrogel. If I, this is my metaphor. If I stab you in the heart or I shoot you in the heart, and you come into an emergency room barely alive, leaking from your heart, it doesn't tell the people there what happened to you, right? It's just, they know you've got a problem and they know what the problem is. It doesn't speak to causation. Now we saw people that had a problem and the problem had to do with them losing sodium and getting really dehydrated and getting very sick very quickly has to do with the ace what's called the ace2 pathway. Mm-hmm. It's just a pathway pathway in the body like an insulin receptor. This is an ace2 receptor and it regulates blood pressure and it does a bunch of other things. Well, it turns out that this smart hydrogel that they devised and this is the patent show this. They have a smart hydrogel that has two conformations. It has a diamond conformation and a triangle conformation. And I can't remember which one is which, but one of them fits into the ACE2 pathway and blocks it and can cause all this stuff to happen, presumably. And the other one doesn't. So let's just suppose I want to have a pandemic and I want to orchestrate it on exactly the date I want to orchestrate it, right? How would you do that? One of the great ways to do it is you could spread around this hydrogel OK, in this in the, in this and you put it in kind of a some kind of liquid form and you touch. We haven't we have a picture, for example, I think the Epic Times had this of this woman in China op, in a computer store, opening up computers, touching the keys, closing them, opening, touching, closing, opening, touching, closing, not looking at the computers. What's that all about? Well, that would be the kind of thing you do to spread a, a contact poison. And I will tell you that in the history of our bioweapons programs and the Soviets and everybody's contact poisons are a big thing that they've looked at over the decades. So we know something about that. We taught the South Africans about this stuff. So we know something about this. So you spread this stuff around and it's lipophilic, meaning it gets into your skin and it can get in your mucous membranes. You get something on your hand. You always get it in your mouth and your yeah. eyes and everywhere. Yeah. I mean, you can't avoid it. So what happens is these guys in Wuhan, let's say, get they get all this stuff in them, but it doesn't make them sick because it's not the right configuration then on the day of the first victim, which was October 19th, just happens to be the day they turn on the 5G. Mm. Now, 5G is a series of wavelengths, but they embedded in that, they can then allow a certain wavelength to be transmitted that can now convert within you those, those pieces of hydrogel into the one that makes you sick. It's easy. And that would also be true of the vaccine. Now, there's other things you could put in there, I'm doing, a, I'm just writing it up for my personal substack because I, I got, and, and this is a point, I didn't get demonetized from substack when I was talking about viruses and CRISPR and genetic engineering. They didn't mind me talking about that. The minute I started talking about wavelength induced disease, boom, I was no longer, I was a non-person. I had to be, they sent yeah. all the money to my people that had paid me. They sent it all back. Wow. And they said, you can't play. You, so, you're
0: saying uh, su- uh, sub-stack. Your, substack did that to you?
1: Yep, wow! Yep. Fact, I no Steve Kerr says, you're the only person I know that's happened to. Yeah, but that's it started. Crazy. Okay, it started when I started talking about the Koznachayev effect and how you can produce disease electromagnetically, and see that's where I think this goes. Now, so and, and for but the good news here is for some reason that hydrogel seems to act like real parasites. There's a reason that they do not want us talking about anti-parasitic meds. Yep. So that is that is the good news here. So I think that's what happened. I think they turned on a, an artificial poison. They created what looked like a disease pandemic. That explains the people just dropping over on their face early on because they may have overdone it a little bit and then they, they backed it off so it didn't look so obvious. And yep. then when it came time to, this was a problem reaction solution. They knew the solution they wanted to give us was a universal vaccine. The problem they gave us in in order to get to that was they, you know, if you're, if you're going to do something like that, why create two pathogens when you can just create one? So they used the same thing. It's in the vaccine probably in a little different formulation to start this whole ball rolling Mm -hmm. to give us a freaky looking disease that then they piggybacked and they made it look worse than it was because they added false testing right to make it they took the flu test the 250,000 that we would have had dead in america that they called flu which really wasn't flu but they called it that and they and they converted that to covid so now they have all these numbers that make it look like everybody's got this bad disease and that's what got people scared and when people got scared what happened they ran out and took the universal vaccine yeah you know, they tried this before. By the way, they've tried to to get. It, you can look in the literature about these guys talking about the the wanting to get a universal vaccine. They wanted it. For, they tried with well, HIV. Or just, they, it's
0: just uh, mRNA in general. You know, they want that to be the the next iteration, the next. Well, even before of, they talked
1: about that. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, when they when AIDS was out. You know, when okay. they when they created yeah. AIDS, the the AIDS the AIDS epidemic. Uh, that's that was an attempt to get a universal vaccine, but they couldn't affect enough infect enough people and get enough people scared. Then with the h one n one, same thing, and that was like two thousand, whatever, six, yeah. nine and they, they, you know they they tried that and it got it made a lot of people sick in Europe from a bad vaccine, but they didn't get it universal. They couldn't get enough people to do it. And yeah. this one they did. this one they succeeded. So yeah. that's what I think this is about. and that's why parasite and the and the treatment of parasites is so important, both for our natural, And on and the man made.
0: Yeah, and I definitely want to get into that because I think it's so fascinating, especially the ties to cancer. But before we go too far, like if people, people, if anybody out there, if you had me listening, you're like, well, that's crazy. That's crazy. Check this out, guys. This is literally Popular Mechanics. So this is the next iteration of cell cell phone technology, and it says, according to Popular Mechanics. Look, guys, headline, scientists want to use people as antennas to power 6G. What? We're still dealing with 5G, and they're already talking about 6G, and I'm sure they have 10, 20G plans. But but this is like in your face. Again, they're telling you what they're doing.
1: And this is I.O.B., Internet of Bodies. Yeah. Everybody knows of I.O.T., Internet of Things. But trust me, during this whole outbreak, Merck, they got out of the vaccine game. And I thought, Mm. wow, that's kind of a good step for Merck. How did they suddenly have an ethical mm. moment of crisis? You know? I remember no, that. Yep. They got out because they bought, uh, what was it called? It was called in-brain technologies or something. And it was exactly that. It's to create an internet of bodies. Now, if if you guys, if there are people out there saying this is all hogwash, I recommend that they read about Opsins and optogenetics. Okay. So <clears throat> when I started thinking this was genetic and but there were a couple things that bothered me, but I started, you know, I thought I was given a piece of paper. that was anonymous. It was about six pages. It was obviously written by some scientific smart people that knew about genetic sequencing. And they were saying, they claimed, I, I have a feeling this was Chinese and that they were, this is again, disinformation, but it's what I learned from it. That's important. They claimed that, that they'd sequenced the stuff in these vials, in these different vaccines. And they found mRNA, but no what they call open reading frames. In other words, it could not be making the spike protein. So what's it making? It's making lots of choppy little RNAs that's going to make people sick. And there's only one guy that could do this. And that's Feng Zhang at the Zhang labs. In other words, they wrote this to try and finger this guy, Feng Zhang. Okay. So I'd never heard of him, but he's a, he's a big uh, guy in genetics and and, and he's got his lab, the Zhang lab at MIT. So he's a a big young guy. And he, he actually, so he's, touted to be the father of CRISPR technology, the kind of technology we use for genetic modification. But you go on it. So then I traced it over there and I started reading the Zhang Lab website. Well, the first thing it says is he's on there saying, well, you know, when it comes to genetic modification, we actually can't really, we can do gene knockdown. We can do gene knockout where they just take away some property of the genetic sequence, but we can't do precise insertion. And I said, what? I mean, that's what they're talking about. That's what they're claiming they're doing all over the place. Here's the guy they, they told was the father of CRISPR, and he's saying you can't do that. So then I said, okay, I'm going to look up this guy's PhD. And I did. And his PhD is in optogenetics. And what that mm-hmm. means is you use wavelength to, to change cellular function. Now, here's what the next level, that's step one. When he was doing his PhD, that was basic optogenetics. But now we have biomodulation and optogenetics. So here's what they're doing. This is, I'll put it in really simple terms. There's There are these chemicals called opsins. We have them in our eye. We use them for very just a couple things in the human body. To, it's, it's chemicals that, that respond to certain wavelengths. We have them in the eye so we can see color, like rhodopsin. And we have them in our body to, we can, re, rec, we can, um, be in a circadian rhythm of, of sunlight and dark. Okay. But back to, and so they're not very strong and they don't do much, but in bacteria, they're very strong. So what they're doing is they're hybridizing mammalian and bacterial opsins, <clears throat> injecting them into animals and they can precisely control, they, they call it precise spatiotemporal. um, Kinetic ability, they can actually precisely control the effect of wavelength on your brain and on your heart Okay, now how does the hearts really got me going because Mm -hmm. think about what we're seeing all these young people dropping over and and you know Damar Hamlin for example now one of the things that is to be said here is that we know you can transmit disease with electromagnetic radiation, but This is precisely not just even disease. This is like drilled down from that. So they say in this literature, we can create a cardiac arrhythmia with this technology in mice. We've never done it in humans, but we can create it in mice and we can resolve a cardiac arrhythmia in mice. In other words, they're trying to tell you they're doing it for the good of mankind where they're really making a very undetectable weapon. Now, what they have to do to make this work is they inject you with these opsins and then they subject you to a wavelength that would cause sudden cardiac death. If you look at young people that are dropping over, the number one reason for that is sudden cardiac arrhythmia before COVID. I mean, that's just a if you're a young person and you suddenly hit the ground dead, like that famous basketball player years ago. Mm. It that's from an arrhythmia generally. Now, s- suppose I could secretly create one by just blasting you with a wavelength, but I have to inject you with something first. Okay, the ergo, the universal vaccine. Now let's go to this Travis Scott concert. What happened there? Mm. You know they wanted to tell you people were getting crushed, but that doesn't appear to be the case. I looked right away. I started listening to every firsthand report I could find. And they all talked about how people dropped over and they were just trying to get room out to do CPR and things. It wasn't that they were being crushed. They just were, they couldn't get the thing to stop and they had all this stuff going on. Well, they all had to be vaccinated. They walked through this tube and then they walked into this area where they're doing strobe lights and all sorts of sound, i.e. wavelength. Mm. And what these things do is they respond to pulsations of light and to wavelength. So you can think that's all crazy talk, but I'm going to tell you, this is the leading edge of bioweapons research, I suspect. They don't call it that, but that is it's like the you know you heard about the cia with their their ice gun that, that the, yeah, the yeah. cardiac that they could or the shoot. heart heart attack gun the yeah, heart yeah. attack gun yeah. yeah they claimed that was a real deal they had it at the church report in the what 70s, in the 70s yeah that's the 70s okay trust me the guys doing this they're decades ahead of us in technology yeah. they know things about the world we don't know but that is the latest uh information in fact you're the you i just you're the first person to get this off my my
0: thinking cap cuz i've just
1: been researching this this last okay. week Awesome. Well, thank you for the
0: breaking news. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for the exclusive Dr. Lee. That's fantastic. So, uh, man, uh, I, I feel like the, the, so the way the parasite thing relates to cancer, I wanted to talk about that, but I definitely want to leave some time to discuss the lab leak thing. So, um, Let's, let's hit that just real quick. Just the, so, so I've looked into this quite a bit, you know, the idea of like, I've heard it characterized as turbo cancer, right? There's right, a, a after doctor, the vaccine. Yeah. Like Dr. Charles Hoff, uh British Columbian physician, like uh, talks about how, you know, Whereas before it'd be like, you know, a certain percentage of people would present with stage four, where now it's two thirds, all of a sudden it's just like two thirds of his patients are presenting with stage four cancer when there's a cancer, positive cancer diagnosis, you know, so something has shifted, something's changed, something dramatic has happened. And I, I just really was hoping that, and, and then, you know, I, I hear you talk about how it all ties back to the parasite aspect of this. Can you just kind of connect those sure. dots between, between the shots, the parasites and the cancer?
1: Right. So Dr. Hoff's right. I mean, why would a disease suddenly change its stripes? You know, we've lived with cancer for, you know, for the last hundred years. Why did it suddenly go turbo? And it just suddenly went turbo at the time we let this vaccine out. Right. Well, I was paying attention. So I was in contact with, you know, a lot of these active duty medical doctors that were telling me things before they before they even came out in the whistleblowing things in Congress. So I was kind of getting some information about this. And, they, and, and I was hearing this, that people would, you know, we always, when I was in the military, we'd see cancer every once in a while and a young, healthy guy, he'd show up, have a lump in his testicle and they'd send him to the urologist and they'd take care of it, done deal. But it was one cancer. Like, like Dr. Hoff is saying, it was like a, 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 an early stage of one lesion. Okay. But now what they're seeing is these guys are showing up after this vaccine and they've got, they, they get, they get MRIs and they've got metastases what they call metastases everywhere. So you either have to believe that cancer has suddenly changed how it's, it's presenting, or there's something we're doing that's causing this. Mm-hmm. Now, who are these guys? I mean, this is what made me start thinking. The military is, is a group of guys that are in great shape. They've got a great immune system. They're healthy guys, but they're out snooping and prooping through the brush in Camp Lejeune, you know, and they're overseas in Afghanistan, drinking the water and eating in sooks, you know, eating in, in uh, marketplaces in Morocco and places. And so they're not necessarily immune from getting parasites. We all have parasites, even in the United States. That's a falsehood to think it's third world country problem. Yeah. But these guys probably have more than the average because of what their lifestyle is, right? But they were keeping it in check because their immune system has been good. But what this vaccine, so-called vaccine yeah. does, is not a vaccine at all, but no. what it does is and, and we have this again, there's absolute proof of this. There's studies coming out showing how it put their new antigens showing up on immune system cells that they don't know that they don't know what it's going to do, but they said clearly we're changing people's immune system. So the way parasites work in the body is all your life you accumulate parasites. And mother parasites can be microscopic. They don't have to be worms in your gut, they can be things that are invisible to the naked eye. And most of them probably are, because my friends that are surgeons don't see a bunch of worms in people's guts when they open them up, you know, usually. Now, they don't usually open up the place they live, but nonetheless, they'd see them. So this is usually microscopic stuff. But the mother parasite puts out 20,000 to 200,000 eggs a day. And then those things usually pass out of you, but some of them get insisted, and they make these little cysts in the body. And that's what your paras- that's what your immune system spends its time guarding. Now, when you're 20, you've got a great immune system, no problem guarding that. But this is kind of like the Roman Empire. As it got bigger, there weren't enough soldiers to guard the empire. And as you get too many cysts of parasites in you, you don't have enough immune system to guard it all. So in without the vaccine, in normal parlance, what happens is as you get into your 30s, 40s, and 50s, we start seeing people with autoimmune disease. Their immune system gets on high burn because they've got uh, too many parasites in egg sacs. We see people with neurologic problems. And now we're finding out that multiple sclerosis, 10 out of 10 dead patients autopsied by Dr. McDonald, parasites in the brain and spinal cord. Okay? That that's and then if you get past that age, you get into the cancer age, then you get cancer because now they're starting to break out, and your body can't keep them in check and we see them as metastases because mm-hmm. egg sacs look identical to para, to what we call cancer metastases. Well, that's what's going on. And so the German work. There's a German group in a uni. I, they're they're like a, a big institute or university, and they've been talking about this for years. I was on a podcast with a PhD Egyptian by uh, um, parasitologist, and they're like the kings of parasitology because mm-hmm. there's so many parasites and they know about them. You know, if you and I lived in Egypt, we'd have been on chronic parasite prophylaxis our whole life, probably. Okay. We should have been here, but they, they lied to us and told us it was a third world problem, but that's what's happening. So, and I've had people that like, here's a classic case. I mean, here's a, a guy that he wouldn't listen to his wife. So he took two vaccines and then a booster and then he developed leukemia. Now his wife is one of my podcast members. So she'd heard the whole thing. She'd heard about mm. all this stuff. She didn't take the vaccine, but she, once, once he got this, he got cancer and he was having all these problems. He, she said, would you listen to me now? And would you try this? So I have a thing about the, you know, what to do for vaccine remorse on my website. Well, so he, they did that. And it involved using parasite medicines in a cyclic manner so that you actually don't take it all the time. You take it and then you have a break, take it, break. And lo lo and behold, after a while, he had no, he did fine. He had no leukemia and his doctors are amazed. Now, I'm not saying that to say this is the only protocol that works, but there's something about parasites and parasites are cancer. Again, anybody that doesn't believe that, just just run a, go to the go to PubMed, go, get into the PubMed public, because otherwise you'll get trash all over the internet. Sure. But go to Pub, uh, the PubMed site and national, in other words, National Library of Medicine, or NIH.gov and just search uh, ivermectin and parasites oh, or yeah. nitazoxinide and parasites, yeah. um, or I mean ivermectin and cancer, nitazoxanide okay. and cancer. And there's all over the place. Interesting. And and again, you see, why don't they want us to know this? Yeah, they want to kill us with this whole thing and depopulate the population, I think, and they didn't want us to catch on too early. Um, but they also know that if we really understand this, it's going to take the pharmaceutical companies down. And I'm yeah. not suicidal, just because I would say that because in years past, anybody threatened them, man, they died. Any doctor yeah. talked out and they died. So
0: yeah, but Doctors, here's, here's doctors, whistleblowers. Thing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, you've heard about remdesivir and yeah. Dr. Artis makes a big deal about how, and yep. he's thankfully has told people the truth about it. Uh, and, you know, we knew it from the literature that it's a bad drug. Why are they using it? But in order to make it look at least a little bit effective modicum of effectiveness, they mixed it with two other drugs and, oh. you know, one in one study, one in another study. The first one was ivermectin. And the second one was nitazoxynide, a drug I had never heard of until then now, but it turns out the NIH knew that it worked for this kind of thing and they were giving it. So, uh, you know, they've lied to us through their teeth for decades and- don't trust them with anything i have people that say you know okay i get it don't take the don't take the COVID vaccine but how about a shingle shot you know Mm -hmm. they're you know little old ladies like me and they say how about a shingle shot i said ma'am please i don't even buy toothpaste from these people anymore do not take an injection from them because if they won't tell you what's in this how do you know they're telling you the truth of anything they're injecting you with
0: exactly That's exactly.
1: that's really where we are
0: Yeah, they they've really messed up because I feel like so many people have awoken to this whole paradigm. Absolutely. So but
1: but the cancer is cancer is something not to just let go. There's a whole underground, I'm sure you're aware of it, the underground fenbendazole.org. If anybody wants to start there, and um, you know, I have a I have a friend who's a, used to be a Chicago bear lineman, but he's a minister now, and he was he got cancer and he frankly talks about this, so this is not revealing any secret, but he started on fenbendazole before he went down to MD Anderson and he was on it for a couple months. And he said, and he was under the impression though for years that fenbendazole had, which is panicure C that you give to your dogs and horses. He was under the impression that this drug had two uses. It worked on cancer and it worked on parasites. So about a year ago, I said, I got to tell you what we've learned since then, (laughs) since I talked to you first about this, what, what it really is, is that cancer is parasites. And he said, you know, that's interesting because I was actually getting better before I ever went down to MD Anderson. Wow! And I said, if I knew what I know now, I think we could have stopped that. And you would have recovered from that much quicker because they just poisoned you with that radiation and chemotherapy.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And and (laughs) there's so, I mean, it's such a powerful, you know, industry they get, I mean, this is the backbone of their industry. It's all predicated on viral transmission and these these crazy little cancer cells are just growing our bodies and there's nothing you can do and it's just you know whatever so that gets us to like our kind of final kind of uh the runway here where it's like you know the idea that their whole power structure the whole medical death cult itself is just based on these flawed theories or at the very least these theories that haven't been fully fleshed out and once you do start to look a little closer it's like wait a minute wait a minute so you guys actually haven't done this or you haven't actually done? hold on hold on and it's, it's a little hard to That's wrap your exactly mind around right. <laughs> yeah and, it's, and we can put it in the context of what we're seeing now in terms of the narrative shift towards this lab leak theory you know and that that, yeah. that kind of has like this big because it's like you know they're trying to like pick a fight with uh china you know it's like so there's all these things happening around this too but it's like okay so let's focus in on the lab leak portion of this so that how it's like oh yeah it's all come out it all came from a virus like a weapons or bioweapon lab in wuhan china and how that helps carry actually helps carry the narrative forward because at the crux of it they don't want us to know what's beneath the surface there so let's let's talk right. a little bit they about don't, that you
1: know first of all again knowing something about the bioweapons programs that we've had in place over the years Makes you realize everything they're telling you. These congressional, oh, you know, think about this. All those congressional hotshots that are that are having these, you know, these seminars trying to get people under oath, and they're trying to bring out the truth. They claim they're trying to bring out the truth. That's a complete lie, because in 1991, we have to go back to 1991. In 1991, when the Soviet Union was breaking apart, all these socialist republics had stockpiles of. They had bioweapons labs. They had. uh, nuclear facilities and they had they had chemical f- stockpiles so under the guise under the you know because we're such good guys under the guise of um you know we want to help them not l- lose track of this stuff and also because these socialist republics the little like like georgia and ukraine but it's not just them it's kazakhstan and it's all of these ones there's they're all around ring the russia They had, they, they didn't have much money and there was kind of economic turmoil for a while. So we developed the cooperative threat reduction agency and, and under, under the guise of cooperative threat reduction, which if you see that or hear that written run away, run away, that's bioweapons research by another name. Um, they allocated that was the non Luger Act of 1991. And it was it was um, they allocated 400 million dollars a year for four years to go over to those cu- countries and buy up these old labs of biopreparat, the bio labs of the, the one of the one of the two wings of their bioweapons program, and and this is what their instructions were. Okay, they sent our people over. I know some names. They sent our people over. They uh, said, you you know, get these things up to snuff start doing vaccine research and start doing gain-of-function research. Okay, that's what we were doing over there. And we've been over there ever since. There's so many things that tie into that. But so, so the idea is... My my big point that you, you could go into details of this for hours, but the point I'm going to make is when you hear these things, these congressional guys hotshotting and grandstanding like they're trying to get the truth out. Keep in mind, these guys have been paying bioweaponeers for our whole lives to go over and create poisons to murder our children. That's what's really going on here. I, I, I had this epiphany when I was speaking at a, wow. a kind of a tax rally, an anti-tax rally. And I said, you know what? My whole life, I mean I was 10 years in the military, I've always paid my taxes, I've been a good little American citizen, patriotic and I thought I was doing the right thing, only to realize I was paying taxes so my government could fund bioweaponeers and I'm over that. So yeah. that is what's been going on. So these guys, you know, they, you know, they didn't used to hide it. Okay, see now they're trying to claim well, we didn't know. Do you know what they called the lab in Tbilisi, Georgia?
0: Hmm.
1: The Luger Lab. It was named oh. for Senator Luger. Come on, guys. And every time when they stood up one of these labs, Weird diseases would crop up right around there. Sure. Now, in a final, final punctuation to this and how we get to the there not being viruses, you if you look at the bioweapons literature, they they really had stopped working so much on aerosolization and sp- how they spread that way, and they were really going to insect vector-borne disease, okay, mm. i.e. parasites and other things they could put into insects. I will tell you that we actually in this situation in covid they did exactly the things you would do if you wanted to hide any understanding of how this came about they they didn't do systematic analysis of the uh, they didn't do they didn't do autopsies and they falsified the testing okay so and and they it, it, they made it hard for people to communicate with each other that outside of any realm of just our approved channels like you pointed out so they they made it hard but in 1918 The people, even though it was driven by, I think, by the same forces using the same protocols, just they had they didn't have the advanced technology we do today because the pandemic of 1918 was not a pandemic. It did not start in Spain. It started in the military base in Fort Riley, Kansas, and it was based on three things, wavelength, uh, um, a bad vaccine, toxic vaccines and a toxic drug, just like today. Okay, Mm -hmm. but here's what they did in 1918 that they did not do now they really tried to prove transmission. So they had an experiment they did in in Boston. This was the Public Health Service and the Navy Archive. You won't get this reading any medical literature. I researched the Navy Archive. I researched the Public Health Service Archive, the Kansas Archive, old newspapers. I went to primary sources. I learned that from Jay Dyer, by the way. Mm. Always go to primary sources. Don't read somebody's review of those primary sources. So when you do that, you find out that in, in Boston, they had 118, volunteers, they might've been volunteers, but they were, uh, they had people that was the biggest, third biggest city of death from the pandemic in 1918. And they put these volunteers in there and they said, here's what we want you to do. We don't want you to touch the patients, but we want you to put your face over the face of the dying. These people were coughing and hacking and dying of this stuff. We want you to, when they breathe out, you breathe in. So we want you to breathe in their exhalations. 118 people did it. Zero got sick. Yeah, okay. yeah, that is that is how you prove transmission. Now there there are other ways, but that we never do that. We all do it with computer modeling and things that don't have any real world. Uh, reality okay yeah yeah but my favorite ex-
0: my, my favorite experiment where they're like taking monkeys and they're like taking like 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 like, like pulling secretions out of the brains and it into the other guy's brains right yeah, and and then then like, oh sick. oh, they got sick oh i wonder how that was <laughs> yeah. right yeah yeah
1: right right and that's and that's the kind of thing they do with bird flu okay yeah. they put birds in horrible environments they you know they're they're too crowded they're not taken well care of they're not in their natural environment they get sick and they say oh we've got we've tested this one with a pcr test you've got avian flu you've got to kill a million chickens they Exactly. And that's how you get to yeah. the $8 and a dozen eggs. Yeah, but that's exactly. what they did in 1918. And you see, the other thing that happened in 1918, they sent out pathologists from the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology uh, in, in Washington, D.C., and a guy from Johns Hopkins, William Welch, very famous pathologist, and they autopsied the dead. You know, we were told, no, no, don't autopsy the COVID-19 victims. You might spread the disease. That's also when I knew it was a scam. What that is what pathologists do. They are supposed to know it. They know everything, but too late. They're supposed to know this stuff. So they could have helped because a year and a half after this pandemic started, they went, they, they did a, a few pathologists said, we're, we're not listening to the CDC and the WHO anymore. We're just gonna see what's been going on. They found 26 papers. I think it was 26 papers, 369 patients who had autopsies that were thought to be COVID deaths. And at the end of the day, a year and a half after this pandemic started at a time they're already pushing people and mandating vaccines. The pathologist concluded, we don't know what's killing people with this so-called COVID. What? Yeah. This is, that's, a, that's a profound statement considering the, the, the unbelievable world you've mobilized down a certain paradigm. Here's the expert saying, we don't know what COVID is. Now that, and interestingly, in 2018, might've been part of the setup a bunch of Chinese pathologists came over to America and they re-looked at the 1918 pandemic stuff. And this time they used modern genetic and virologic technologies. They couldn't figure it out either. They said, it looks like bacterial pneumonia. It's all bacterial pneumonia. It looks like bacteria in there, you know? So again, it was not the, 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 the idea of viruses is unproven. You can't, you know, anybody that's done college-level biology, I will say, if you've ever isolated bacteria in a lab, you can see them, you can feel them, essentially, you can put them under the microscope, you can be sure you've got a pure culture, and then you can do genetic testing on it. I don't have a problem with that. But viruses can't be cultured that way. They're all in a culture of a mixed bag, and, and it's been shown that just the process creates the picture
0: that we exactly. call viruses. Exactly. Yeah. Stefan Wonka, you know, you can conduct yeah, the same Stephen process. Lonca. You could do the same process without using any biological material to still get the same result. So it's like, and here's a pace. guy that
1: needs yeah. the Nobel prize.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, so, this is their holy grail. This is their uh, big thing that they have to, like all these other narratives. It's almost like they build up these straw man narratives, even as big as COVID, just to protect the one little nugget. It's like, yeah, okay, so we'll build up, we'll build up the COVID thing and we'll let them collapse that one. And then they'll be all happy and pat themselves on the back that they but they can't, but that'll keep him still, you know, on the outside of the gates from the, the tr- right. true thing, which is the whole virus theory, right?
1: And so the Wuhan leak theory is just another way to distract us from what's really going on. And that's what's going up with these 5G towers and the injections and other things going on. And that's yeah. really the problem. And this is like, I say, um, well, listen, if you have time, let me just yes, say please, something please, please, I got all the time in the world. Okay, well, I, let, I let me just say this. something about yeah. Marburg because that's also down this road. You know, how many people... You know, if I go to a room of people, how many, everybody raise your hand that knows the term Marburg as a disease. You know, everybody seems to know that term. Do you know how many cases there are in the whole friggin' world? Mm. There are like 620 cases in a world of 8.5 billion people over the life of the world. That's pretty small. If you really look at Marburg, it came, it's the first outbreak was in 1967 or 69 in the Marburg lab. And there wasn't this kind of genetic sequencing then there wasn't sophisticated testing back then they called it marburg because they had because it came from that lab and they they figured it was from these green monkeys they were working on or that's the story but i'm going to tell you there were 30 some deaths of 31 deaths i think in the lab the only other deaths of any re- numbers were in two groups of gold miners in africa maybe one wasn't gold mine but they were miners and they were one was in Angola, one was, I think, in the Congo, in areas where there was war breaking out, there was, there was conflict. And it was just the miners that got sick. All these, like 160 in one place and a couple hundred in another place or whatever, they made up the, they made up the majority of people that died from this. But it's hard for me to wrap my head around that you're claiming this is an airborne, highly contagious virus, yet the only people that got sick and died were the people in the mines, not their families, not the communities. It didn't spread anywhere what? There's something wrong there. Well, here's the punchline. In the 1920s and 30s, and and this you will not find in the English literature, you'll find one picture, that's it, but you won't find it because they're hiding it. And the, it's it's the Kaznacheev effect. And Koznocheyev was a physician. He was in Novosibirsk. And I just happened to read enough Russian to be able to search the Russian literature. I still need the electronic translator when I get there, but I can look at it. And I stumbled across this guy because other people had mentioned this name. The Russian bioweaponeers had mentioned this name along the way. So Koznocheyev did this cool experiment and he did it thousands of times. This wasn't just a fluke. He took two cell cell cultures same types of cells exact same cells he put one inside a and one inside B in these petri dishes and they were hermetically sealed and they were they could only see each other through an optical window now then he poisoned side A and he watched what happened to side B if you poison side a with they, he used radiation he used mm. uh, arsenic he used um, like bacterial toxins various different things then what he what he noticed was, If the window between those two cells, cell groups was window glass, absolutely nothing happened to side B. But if the window was uh, quartz, then whatever happened to side A, let's suppose he he radiated side A, about 12 hours later, side B would start dying of the same radiologic poison, radiation toxicity. If he used arsenic, side B would die of arsenic, but only if there was a quartz window. So what's the difference between quartz and window glass? quartz it allows uv and near uv radiation through so th- this is how we get to marburg the russian scientists called this they called them uh, i just love the term even in russian it sounds cool it's photonismerti. it means the death photons oh. <laughs> okay because they said something is coming off this dying tissue that makes this tissue die and it's spe- and it's specific to the disease so they showed the transmission of some kind of fatal disease essentially with radiation with radio frequency. Whoa. Now there was a, there was one group of that. So afterwards, there's some very other creepy stuff that I found and I can't remember where I even put it now, but these the other uh, Russian scientists uh, kind of took some of that stuff and worked it even further. And it got into cosmology and all sorts of weird things about scalar weaponry and scalar waves. Okay. But there was one lab that started that got this literature and was researching Kaznachev's work. Guess which lab it was. The Marburg lab. Oh,
0: geez. Okay. <laughs> wow. Yes. You can't make wow. this
1: up. You Jeez. can't make this up now. And, and Luke Montagnier, very mm-hmm. famous French uh, scientist who, a yep. uh, friend of Judy Mikovits, Yep. And, and she agrees with, and I agree with her. She thinks Luke was murdered. I kind of think so too. So he did a very cool experiment showing that you could, if you took a bioactive molecule like DNA and you put it in water and you shook it up and got it dispersed around the water for a while, and then you diluted it out. So it wasn't there anymore there's still an electromagnetic signature in that water Hmm. and you can capture it and you can project it onto other water and recreate the molecule or recreate the effect of the molecule. So two, two French scientists did this research and, and, you know, it's funny because Luc Montagnier got the Nobel Prize for HIV, but he'd already recanted. He said, No, it wasn't HIV, it wasn't a virus, it wasn't that virus that did it. And and they had to give it to him anyway. So you know the guys in Oslo, wow. they had tight jaws when they had to give this yeah. guy the he went to a, a he went to San Francisco and announced he was wrong about AIDS and that yeah. <laughs> they had to yeah. just give him. But that's what's going on here. That's how you create a pandemic of your choosing how you want it to be where you want it now that they're fine tuning how they do it by what they put in us and the final point here is it comes to why do they want us to eat bugs i can't prove this yet either Mm -hmm. but i told you about the options the final one i've just been thinking about is bugs so why do they want us to eat bugs what does bugs have in it it has chitin in it Mm. now chitin is the stuff that makes those very pretty scarab beetles like they they turn green and they're kind of you know as you move them through space, they kind of, they kind of change their color. Same with butterflies those really brilliant colored butterflies. They look different at different angles because chitin is a photo, uh, is, a, is a photo, um what do they call it? Photo mechanical crystal, essentially. Photo optical crystal, I think they call it. So it's, that is what, it's gonna change wavelength. You eat chitin, if it gets into you somehow, I don't know the absorption of chitin, so I can't prove this yet. But this is the, this is the benefit of piezoelectric crystals. This is, I was told this by Harold Kautz over in Germany. He said, you know, the, the, the chemtrails, it's not just what they're spraying. It's the form in which they're spraying them there. You know, the, the old, you know, um, in England in the, in the 1800s, in the industrial revolution, they spewed all sorts of crap out of those chimneys, but it didn't damage the uh, crops like this is right. Why is this damaging things? Because this comes out, they put it through these heated nozzles, and it comes out as piezoelectric crystals. So when they get into the plant, they get absorbed. The plant's use of light changes. Hmm. You know, We are electromagnetic beings. And I'm telling you, we are in electromagnetic war.
0: Electromagnetic and war. Wow.
1: That's, the, that's the real truth they don't want you to know. And that's why they want you to believe it was a lab leak of a virus. The Chinese did it. It was bats just get over it. Just believe what we tell you.
0: Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I've heard the expression, you know, if any outside observer, if someone were to like, you know, teleport into our time from like the 1700s, like our technology would be imperceptible from, or indistinguishable from magic. Right. You know, and and then when we look at ancient technologies, like to us, it seems like magic, but it's just they just had a different path that allowed them to arrive at the technologies that they use. You know what I mean? And, 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 you know, if you believe in all that alternative history stuff, but you know, what we're entering into now, I feel like, is this era where they're so far ahead with their technology that it's almost like we're these people from the 1700s being teleported into a future where it's like we almost can't perceive what's being what's surrounding us. We can't perceive the technology that's there. And they figured out in devised ways, you know, with their decades further advanced research than we're even aware of, that they're probably deploying things on us and things that are around us that we can't even person we don't have the eyes to see it we're not even in the dimension where that exists almost it's in this right. sort of way of I, I think you're it, you know? exactly right you know and, it, and it's, it's crazy so so you know the the more that we get this information out there the more that we critically think about these things the more that we dive in to look at what we can prove and uh analyze what's what's around us and then just uh you know it, i i feel like it helps alleviate the fear because like i feel like we were just talking about this on the show yesterday Is like you know they're gonna make us another offering here, like this injection was just an, an offering. You know, no yep. one was held down at gunpoint to take it. And so, you guys, like, whether it's the financial collapse or whatever's whatever's happening, watch out because they're gonna make you an offer here in the coming future, right? And just remember, you don't have to accept it, and, and right. you don't, you and don't, don't be, have to accept you don't it. have to accept it, and don't be afraid because yeah. when you're, you know, build communities, get to know these people, educate yourself about these topics because. That will prevent you from being in a state of fear, and when 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 that when you're in a state of fear and they make that offer, you know that's when you're gonna accept it, you know. And so it's just like you know, just stay resolute, stay strong, continuing to push forward. You know, we we've we we won this thing. Like it's indes- you know, there's no question about that. You know, in terms oh, of the fact, like the information war side of it is just like you know, we've got every all the cards are on on our side. So. And I think yeah. they're I think they're in high dudgeon because they, they know they're losing here. Yeah.
1: But but the, for people, they have to realize that what they have to do is they have to extract them from the systems. In yeah. other words, you wouldn't want to put your food uh, security in the hands of people that are trying to poison you. But that's yeah. exactly what we're doing. Yeah. So on every front we need yeah. to get out of the medical system and yep. we're going to make a parallel system. Yep. We need to get our food. Remember where your food came from. Scott Kesserson told me this, and it's a great point. 45 or 50% of all the food in world war two, when we had food rationing was made in Liberty gardens, was grown in yeah. Liberty gardens and mm-hmm. people's backyards. So everybody can do this. There's lots of, we're learning about electroculture. I just gave a talk on electroculture. I mean, think about all the stuff we're learning that they didn't tell us that they knew for hundreds of years, they hid that in the twenties and forties. They read the government researched electroculture knew it would boost the food production and buried it. Okay. So there's a, we can get around this and it goes, it means going back to the old ways. And I will tell you in old medicine, this is what I tell people. You don't have to have modern medicine convinces you. You have to have a precise diagnosis before you have treatment. You don't, what you need to do is realize what treatments are available and do them all because there are only five. And that's in addition to getting right with God, I'll put that in there. But the first thing is is that you, you need to eat clean. Do not eat the crap that they have decided is food. You know, as, as Jack LaLanne used to say, if, if man made it, don't eat it. It's a really f- simple thing. Eat real funny food, food real people. The yeah. Funny food, yeah. yeah. Second second thing is uh, you need to get rid of your parasites. And we know how to do that to some degree. Now, there's no great expert physician you're going to go to, including me. I mean, I'm trying to stumble through and make a protocol. I've got a protocol on my site, but it's it's the best I can come up with right now. And anybody got improvements, so I'm glad to hear about it. Um, there's my site, the medical the medical rebel.com. It's three words. But yeah, I have a, I have a movie about parasites and I have a printable parasite protocol. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is kind of similar to that, detoxify yourself. There's also a protocol for uh, chlorine dioxide, which I can't tell you to use because I'll go to jail, but I use it every day. I'm just gonna say that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have my bottle and I keep it keep it going all day long. And then the other thing is that we've learned since the time, you know, ancient medicine, they only did purification, get right with God and detoxification. And by the way, in Latin, virus means toxin. It Mm -hmm. does not mean little unicorn that flies out of my mouth and goes over and makes you sick. So, so, uh, so, yeah, so we do all those things. And then after you detoxify, then you have to, you have to supplement. Yourself because the we, again, our our nutrition isn't what it should be. So mm-hmm. you you have ninety essential nutrients you've got to take in your mouth. They need to be bioavailable. Uh, that's what I've worked on in this whole thing. And then the final thing is EMF protection because we're in a wavelength mm-hmm. war. Yeah. And. I've looked around. I've had people on my podcast. I've listened to a lot of people about EMF protection. The one people I have a link on my site to is because those guys have bioassays that show that their stuff works. And I have their stuff. I I bought their stuff and I wear it and I have it in my house and um, I travel with it. When I travel, I don't go to a hotel and I don't let them put me on the top floor. That's where all the 5G towers are.
0: Mm -hmm. you
1: know so that's a big one that is a big one and you can't it's not like you know for 35 years i stood in lead 35 pounds of lead in an or because i'm an orthopedic surgeon that doesn't work for this this is a different kind of what it does to you it actually opens up these calcium channels and other channels ionic channels in your cells so you have to you have to you have to mitigate that wavelength and it may seem crazy as small things around you can do it but this stuff he's shown he's shown it. bread molds prematurely around this, like your routers, but not when he puts this stuff under it. So I have, I have confidence this stuff actually works.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And then well, there's the your, ch-
1: there's your five-step program.
0: That's it you guys. And so, yeah, well, I was gonna say Amanda in the chat says juice fasting is great for detoxing the body. So there you go. So I've had Amanda on the show. She's a health expert. So this is fantastic stuff. So Dr. Lee, Oh my gosh, thank you so much for sticking around a little extra thank long you. to get into some of this stuff. You know, can you please, please, please tell the people where they can follow and support you? Cause you guys, you gotta, you gotta support what you value. And Dr. Lee's out there on the front lines, you know putting everything on the line to get this information out there so uh how can we support you well
1: awesome well i have uh the, the you can
0: go to my name but it's easier to just type in the dot
1: com, and um and i have a, a a subscription podcast every monday night for eight dollars a month you can join and you can have, we have live q a and we get lots of great guests and we have all these all these we talk about everything uh People were chatting in the chat last week. They were talking about the flat earth theory. So we, we, yeah, we yeah, go where yeah, yeah. we go fearlessly down all sorts of rabbit holes, but, but, but primarily we're geared around making sure you have the information you need to be healthy through this. And, um and then I'm on telegram and uh that's, that's a lot of fun. I'm freedom doc. Yeah. All everywhere I go. I have, I have my, my, my symbol is the plague mask. So if you see yeah. a picture of me, that looks like me, that's not it. That's a, that's an <laughs> imposter. Gotcha. Um and, uh, and I have at the shop, I have things that I recommend. I take them myself and I also recommend like carbon 60 is excellent. If you've had the vaccine, mm-hmm. I've had excellent because it undoes that electron problem. And, um, there's a bunch of stuff on there, but it's the, it's the health, it's the best. This is to me, the best cost-effective way to get those 90 essential nutrients and not spend your life in a pill bottle with pill bottles. I can't stand that anymore. Yeah. And, uh, so that's, that's what I would say.
0: There you go. So that's the Medical Rebel Shop.com. You can get all that yeah. from her, from her main website, either the TheMedicalRebel.com yeah. or DrLeeMeritt.com. So, so, all right, guys. So please go check that out. Please go check that out. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much again for tuning in. Remember, whatever it is we're walking into, just no fear. Just keep crushing. That's all you got to do. Just keep crushing. So, all right, guys, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again, Dr. Lee. Right, thank you. Guys. Thanks for having me. And Dr. Lee, if you